Tonight will be our final ladies' night for this current series of lessons. That means as we go through Titus chapter 2 together, we are going to insist on having our ladies go first. So at each juncture, as we read, reread, as we summarize and discuss details, as we answer our four questions, what does this passage tell us about God, about people, how will we personally put this into practice, trying to say, I will, and then be concrete about it, and then who needs this that we're going to tell? At each point, we want to try to let one of our sisters be the first to go. You're going to find a strong focus on how sisters in the churches there in Crete, where Paul was writing to Titus as he served there, played such a critical role in the life of the church there. Though this passage will be a little different from some of our others in that it won't just exclusively be about the ladies. We'll also find some encouragement for the men, too. What gets laid out here is for older men and older women, for younger men and younger women. It's for preachers and workers. How we might all dress up in God's teaching. How we might, by the way that we live, show how beautiful God's way really is to everybody around us. So that's where we're going to wrap up Ladies' Night with tonight. We're going to try to discover together how we can show just how attractive God's design really is by truly following it and by following it together with all of our differences, with all the unique things about how God made us, how we might all together get to be a part of that. So this is Titus chapter 2. Who would be willing to read the first ten verses for us, sisters? Thank you, Melody. Which translation would we be coming to us from? All right, English Standard Version. Thank you, Melody. Titus 2, 1 through 10. As for you, teach what it works with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, and love and steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slingers or slaves to much money. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children. To be self-controlled, pure, working in home, kind, and submissive to their husbands. Who'd be willing to give us a second reading of that same passage? Laney. New King James Version? New King James Version? So Laney's going to give us New King James Version now. Thank you, sister. And as we you, speak the things which are Preach. 
chase homemakers, good or evil in their own house, to their own house, that the word of God may be may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded, and always show yourself to be a pattern of good work, and God can show it integrity, reverence, and corruptibility. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that the one who is an opponent will be ashamed having nothing evil to sin. Exhort bond servants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. Thank you so much, Laney. So there we've got two good readings of Titus chapter 2, 1 through 10. Which of our sisters want to get us start with summing this up in your own words? What was the spirit inspiring Paul to impress on Titus here? What's he telling him? Gwen, you want to get us started and then Laney will follow with you. Yeah, so Gwen draws out for us just this beautiful picture of church as family. Whether, whether you're a brother or a sister, whether you're older or younger, everybody has a part to play, especially when it comes to the teaching and training to be like Jesus. Laney, what were you going to add for us there? Excellent. So we see here not only this intergenerational approach, we see here not only the role for both men and women working together as being critical for all this, but we also see how when you are really following what God says, it shows, and specifically, it shows in how you act each day. It doesn't just show in doing the right five things for an hour on Sunday morning. It shows on who you are at the job. It shows in how you act at home. All throughout life, if you're really following the sound doctrine that Jesus' apostles were teaching, it's going to show all throughout your life and all throughout your relationships, no matter what stage of life you find yourself in. So, brothers or sisters, as we think about that summary that we've got started with, what are some details that stand out for you? What are some things that strike you there as we read this passage together? Jay? Respectful to our parents, and then we are supposed to do likewise train our kids. 
also um, help with the others. Yeah. Great start. Other details that stand out to us from this passage. Plants. It shows up in verse 7 where it says all things. You know, we tend to kind of pick and choose what God has to do that instead of everything you do basically be a pattern to good works. So, and one of the reasons for that is so nobody can downgrade the church or say, hey, I don't like that, what you're doing here, you're inconsistent. So, it's something we need to realize it's an all in thing. Mm-hmm. Though within the context, one particular interest there is who did Paul say that specifically to as he's giving up these instructions? To Titus, right? He directs that to Titus. So the one that's there preaching. So he says, so it's not enough for you to tell them to do this. You need to show yourself in all respects to be living what God's teaching. Like they need to not just hear you say it. They need to see you live it if any of this is going to work. You know, how many, how many times can you think of, you know, I know my experience growing up was quite often, you know, you would have a preacher stand up and preach a real good sermon on the Great Commission, but he was as scared as any of the rest of us when it came to sharing his faith with people outside of the church building. I was like that for years. And I'd stand up in front of a hundred people and tell you all about Jesus, but there'd be one lady on the subway and I'd be a nervous wreck about trying to talk to her. And that's one of the challenges. It's not enough to just say it, even if Scripture says it. The power of God's Word comes when we do it. And you can stand up in front of everybody and tell them how important it is to pray. But if you don't pray, or if you pray the same thing over and over and over again and there's not really thought in it, and there's not really heart in it, it's going to show the real power is when that word is backed up with example. When you're living it out. And so then that comes about when you share it. And that doesn't guarantee that Titus wasn't going to have people giving him trouble. In fact, if you read the whole letter, which is a pretty short letter, you'll see part of the issue is people were giving him trouble. But Paul says, so look, you're going to have trouble. You do things in such a good way that it ends up embarrassing the people that are giving you a hard time. You say what's true. You do what's true, and it'll, God will take care of the rest. So you can see how just the humanness behind this, where Paul is that father, that mentor, he's coaching a younger guy. Here's how you handle this. This is what you need to do. There's a reason that every year before my performance reviews with the elders, I read 1 Timothy, Titus, and 2 Timothy in that order, over and over again. Because before I hear anybody else's opinion, I want to hear who the Holy Spirit says I'm supposed to be as a preacher. And then filter anything else I hear through the lens of that. See, that's the challenge in God's Word for us. Wayne? That's interesting, isn't it? That the ways we act can cause God's word to be blasphemed. Can cause God's word to be reviled. And let's even look at that in the context because Paul tells Titus to teach this specifically to the older women. 
right? So that verse that Wayne is referencing comes to us there in verse 5, that the older women need to teach and train the younger women to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be revived. So appreciate what he's saying there. If you lack self-control, if you're impure, if you're lazy, if you're unkind, and if you're disrespectful to your spouse, that's reviling God's word. Because that's not what God's word teaches us to do. That's not what somebody who's trying to be like Jesus is going to act like. So we might come and do all the right things on Sunday morning, but if we go home and think and speak and act in ways that are inconsistent with the character of Jesus, we've got a problem that needs to be addressed. But also, as Wayne draws that out, appreciate that being like Jesus is something we have to learn. We need someone to teach us. We need someone to train us. Because both of those words appear there, right? So it's not just about head knowledge. It's not just, hey, young ladies, make sure you're kind and respectful. Yes, there'll be some teaching of it, but that's part of where Paul says, tell the older ladies to help the younger ladies learn how to do that. Because it's one thing for Titus to preach at one of their Sunday assemblies and say, hey, we need to be kind. Hey, we need to be submissive. It's another thing for an older lady. Who knows what it's like? Who knows what it's like to have to bite your tongue and exercise some self-control when your husband does say something kind of silly? Who knows what it's like to have a million different things coming at you and feel like you're always critical. When you've got an older sister, it's like, hey, I know how that feels. And here's how I've learned to deal with it. Here's how I stop and pray. Here's how I... When we've got those sorts of relationships with each other, when you've got somebody standing up and preaching God's word, and it's true, and it's healthy, and they're living it, but then when we're in each other's lives, and there's somebody that knows what it's like, they've been there, and they're able to also model it. To not just tell you, well, Titus 2 says, but to actually show you this is what it looks like to do it. That's the place where lives start to change. Other details. Laney. Yeah. So whatever your situation is in life, it's not an excuse to act in an unchristlike way. Right? You can be older or younger. You can feel great or be dealing with pain. You can be surrounded with great people or difficult people. But if you're following Jesus... You should be following Jesus no matter what. So for bond servants, 
it's not just about do you have a nice master, then do your best, but if he's kind of rough on you, you just do what's best for you. Now, that's not what the gospel is at all. Because what master is going to get one to Jesus if he's not already by a bondservant that's giving him a hard time? It's always talking back. That's stealing from him. That's not going to be a very effective witness for Christ. So that's who we need to be. And so that starts to get into our minds then. Who are we in our workplace? What kind of worker are we? What kind of supervisor are we? Who are we in our neighborhood? Are we the person that everybody at the HOA meeting dreads to see raise their hand? Or are we the person that's always willing to jump in and try to help out with something? See, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, how we conduct ourselves on a day-to-day basis should be a living example of how attractive God's way of life is. And whatever we do, we should be adorning God's teaching, which is one of the details that I always appreciate from this passage, so I can't resist an opportunity to point it out. In, I think, both the New King James as well as the ESV, it renders there, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Now, I think a lot of times we like to take that phraseology, sound doctrine, and we usually make it mean whatever body of teaching and traditions we think is right. So sound doctrine is singing a cappella on Sunday. Sound doctrine is taking the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. Sound doctrine is showing no emotion, and you better not clap your hands. And if you have a preacher teaching you anything different, they're not teaching sound doctrine. Well, time out. We may have certain traditions we like to follow. We may have certain ways we understand Scripture. And in many ways, they might be right. They might be the best way to do things. But sound doctrine doesn't mean whatever we want to make it mean. The literal meanings of the word there, sound doctrine, sound means healthy. You know how when somebody fills out their will, they'll say, I being of sound mind and body? It means... You're thinking clear. What you're going to say, it has credibility. It's right. It's true. It's not under any inappropriate influences. It's solid. Doctrine is just a fancy word for teaching. So appreciate that when Paul urges Titus to teach sound doctrine, to teach healthy teaching, and immediately follows it by saying, be kind. And be self-controlled. And teach and train each other what to do. That is what following scripture, that's what being a New Testament Christian should look like. According to the inspired authors. Because we can sing a cappella on Sunday and we can take the Lord's Supper and be unkind and unsubmissive and argumentative. We can look out for ourselves We can act one way on Sunday and a completely different way Monday through Friday. And that's not okay. What Paul is wanting Titus to impart to these Christians there in Crete, what he's wanting to impart to all of us that this has been preserved for to read and learn from, is that if we are going to truly be the people God created us to be, it's got to be all the time and all of our relationships. And what God is teaching us is healthy. The kinds of relationships, the kinds of ways of behaving that are described here, they're good. It's good for us to be kind 
It's good for us to be self-controlled. It's good for us to have relationships with each other, to be involved with each other, so that it's not just the old folks over here doing their thing and the young folks over here doing their thing and the kids over here doing their thing and never shall the twain meet. Oh, do you have a ministry for old people? Sure do. Do you have a ministry for single? Sure do. Do you have a ministry for married people? Sure do. But it seems like the power of the gospel is when we're in each other's lives. Not just when we find our corner with the people that are exactly like us and no one else is part of. When we're able to be a part of each other's lives. When our kids know the older folks at church and when we know the kids at church and we're able to just really be there to love and encourage each other in a real hands-on, life-on-life sort of way, that's when the beauty of what God teaches shows. Or we can just boil it down and make sure we do the five right things for an hour on Sunday and then just do whatever we want for the rest of the week. But that's not going to be as pretty. That's not going to be as attractive. That's not going to accomplish what God intended for what he teaches us to accomplish. He wants to change our lives. He wants to change our relationships from top to bottom. Any other details that stand out to us from this? Jay and then Lynn. Praise God. That's a beautiful illustration, Jay. Thank you for sharing that. Wayne, what were you going to say for us? I haven't looked at the Greek on it in advance of this one. Have you? Is that what you're referencing there? Yeah. Well, and particularly that you train them to love them. Because we would think, like, well, of course you love your kids. Of course you love your spouse. But we make it all about, well, do I feel that? But when you're doing things God's way, you are training to love. And that's going to involve action. That's going to involve choices that we make, that we need encouragement, that we need examples to be able to do. Did you notice how often self-control pops up here? That was a pretty consistent theme through a lot of this. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, part of what we have to learn is how to control ourselves. You don't just say whatever pops into your head. You can't. You've got to be self-controlled. You don't act on whatever feeling or impulse you might have. Because there are some feelings or impulses we might have that are not honoring to God. They're not helpful for other people. So we've got to control those things. Whether you're older or younger. This is a consistent thing. Guys and gals, we've got to work on our self 
control. How can we do that? We got to do it. I mean, that's hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, once we do it, when you dirty, oh, you know, it's too late. Then once you show that expression of hate or whatever, it's hard to take it back. Yeah. You can't take it back. So what do you do? What does Paul say here? You train. You work with each other. You work on it every single day. Prayer would make a lot of sense as part of it. But it's going to be an everyday effort. And this is how we show the attractiveness of that. You know, when I first started, this was a little bit before Mission One, but when I first started getting serious and started to recognize, you know, I've been going to church all my life, but I'm not a very good follower of Jesus. I grew up in a very sarcastic family, so my example, primarily from my dad, but mom can be this way too, is one of like, anybody like people watching at the mall? You know, so you see folks that like, they wear really crazy outfits, or they just have a really interesting appearance, or they act in kind of a goofy way. Well, I grew up in a family that really enjoyed commenting on those sorts of things and having a good laugh at it. Until one day that I realized, if that person heard me say that, would they let me talk to them about Jesus? Would that be helpful or harmful for me to try to share Jesus with them? And that just wasn't a way I'd ever thought about things before. We're just joking. We're not being mean. We don't mean anything by it. But that is where the hard work of showing the attractiveness of God's teaching comes into play here. It's getting into those nitty-gritties. It's not just did you take your communion on Sunday. It's did by taking your communion on Sunday, you're honestly trying to go through every day that follows thinking, how would Jesus approach this? How would Jesus speak to that person? How does Jesus feel about that person? Yeah, maybe I am just joking, but is that helpful? If it's not, I might need to grab it. And when I don't grab it, I need to apologize. I need to repent and ask God for forgiveness. And if you start doing that enough, eventually it will start to sink in before you start doing it. Where we get into trouble is when we make excuses. Ah, oh, well, I just can't help it. Ah, oh, well, they've always been that way. But if we're willing to do the work, God's healthy teaching will change our lives. But we've got to be willing to work with it. So, ladies first. As we think about this passage, what's something that it teaches you about God? What do you learn about God? Vicki, get us started. Well, he wants all of us to work for what he wants, not for what we want, and yeah. to teach and That's right. So, whatever stage of life you're in, you have value in God's eyes. Man or woman, older or younger, he sees you, he has a place and a purpose for you. Gwen, did you have something? Yeah. He teaches us the right way to live and how to go about all this. And what he teaches us is health. It's sound. It's solid. You can't do better than to spend your life trying to do all the things that God's teaching. It will bless you to learn to think and act and speak the way he teaches you to. Lane. Well, I think that's a good 
Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lane. Other things that we see about God here. Lance? Something I see is this is kind of a never ending cycle because there's always older and younger, and you're going to be in different roles as you grow. Because mm-hmm. there's always going to be people younger than you, all people older than you. And so there's always something I can learn and something I can teach, whether I'm man or woman. Other things that we see about God? One of the points we made earlier, just our behavior, especially as his followers, reflects on him. Reflects on his word. So we need to take it seriously. But also, what he teaches is attractive. Because we were created after his image and likeness, the way God paints the picture for what our lives and relationships can be, it turns heads. It catches attention. Even if it's a bond servant that's showing it, that'll catch somebody's attention. It can be an older lady, younger person, doesn't matter. Like if we are actually living out God's way, it looks different. It looks good. Something that people find appealing. How about people? Ladies first, what do we learn about people in this passage? Vicki again, thank you. We need to be taught, but then we also need to share. Yeah. Yes. Did everybody hear what Vicki said there? Because that's a real important one here. We need taught. And don't like take that for granted. Wayne pointed that out really nicely earlier when it talks about tr- the young women learning to love their spouses, their kids. We need taught, but then we also need to train because it's the older women that are supposed to train the younger women how to do that. You know, so we need to learn from God how to do life, but then we need to be imparting that to other people. There's a challenge in that, right? Think about that. Who are you teaching? Because this is the adult class. So that means we're all older than somebody at this church. Who are you teaching? What are you teaching? What is it that people are learning? From what you say, also from what you do, the example you set, the priority you make. We need taught. So are we learning from God what all those things should be? And then who are we imparting it to? Because the blessing comes when it's shared. It's supposed to go forward, not just sit here. Other things that we learn about people, brothers or sisters. Lance. Older people have a value. They do. Sometimes we skip over that. 
This is true. And we need each other. God's design for the church is for multiple generations, both genders, all being together. And there's mutual blessing when we're all together. Other things that we learn about people. Pam. Yeah, we need talk, we need reminders. We learn by example. I can stand up here and say something over and over and over. But a lot of learning is going to take place when someone actually is out there and sees you do it. Right? How many of our kids grew up being able to name all 66 books of the Bible. They can quote all sorts of scriptures, but the life they're living doesn't look very much like Jesus at all right now. Can't do one without the other. Right? We learn by example. We need people in our lives that take that teaching of God and then show us this is what it looks like and why. And it'll be in those sorts of relationships and those reminders and those challenges and that accountability that our lives really change so that nobody mistakes church as being just a Sunday thing. This is a whole life that we live. Anything else that we learn about people here? There's just a mutual blessing there, isn't there? So you don't have to be old. You just teach. Yeah. And I, somewhere I read on this, said the older people they were talking about here were about 40. <laughs> yeah. Short life expectancies. Yeah, well, just think about that even within the context of Jesus, right? Like, it's not hard to empathize with some of the Jewish rulers when you've got this 30-something country boy coming up telling you a completely different way to view God's law. Same here at Crete. Imagine some of these older guys. These older guys don't want Titus coming in telling them what to do. Especially when he was saying that they needed to be less lazy and work harder. I'd had to ruffle feathers. That's exactly what God sent him to do. And Titus backed it up. He didn't tell them like, hey, don't be lazy while he sat back and did nothing. He gave them the example to back up the truth from God that he was teaching. But we need those examples. And there's so much that the older can impart to the younger. But even if you're pretty solidly in that older category, you can still learn. There's still opportunity to grow. Don't assume, just like I said earlier, like this morning, that firing a gun does not make me a man, God does. Having gray hair does not make you wise, God does. If you have gray hair, you've had a lot more opportunities for God to make you wise, so you may very well be, and you deserve some respect. However, don't assume just because you've lived a long time that you're right and everybody else is wrong, 
especially if your basis for making decisions is anything other than Jesus. If you are dressing up in the attractive teaching of God, you're good to go. But you can be older and lack self-control. You can be older and be unkind. And as a Christian, that's not going to cut it. As a Christian, we need to embody being like Jesus with each decision we make. So how might we put this into practice? I will what? Jay is not a lady. Sisters, lady first. Laney, and then Jay. I will adorn God's teaching. I'll let people see what God teaches and how I live. That's a good one, Lainey. Jay? Yeah. Other I wills. Lance? I'll be involved in my fellow Christians. Yeah. The only way to do any of this is relationship, right? I can you as an older lady teach the younger ladies if you don't know them. Are the younger ladies going to want to get trained by you if you never speak with them? If you've never invited them out to eat, if you've never taken them with you shopping, if you've never just texted them and say, hey, I was praying for you today. Like we've got to form relationships to be able to do anything that's being taught here. That's like the unspoken assumption underlying all of it. Other I wills. You can get into the nitty-gritty with some of these, especially like if you find your person. So for example, if you are somebody that would probably be classified as an older woman, you could say, I will be reverent in my behavior. Oh, this is a good one. I will not slander. How easy is it to get on that gossip train? I will not slander. I will not be a slave to much wine. I'm not going to have to rely on my nightcap to be able to unwind from the day. Like, I'm going to rely on God for my peace. You know, there's some practical things that are, I will teach what is good. What I say, the example I set, I will teach what is good. Older men, I'll be sober-minded, I think clearly. I'll be dignified. Ooh, it's a high bar. I'll be self-controlled. I'll be sound in my faith, love, and steadfastness. You could pick any of these for whatever situation you're in. I will love my children and husband. I'll be self-controlled. I'll be a good example. I won't be argumentative. I'll show how attractive God's teaching is to my boss through how I am as a worker. 
You could grab any one of these and make it an I will. And if you picked just one and worked on it this week, there'd be blessing in it. So as you think about this morning's sermon, as you think about what we've studied this evening, as you think about this whole series, as we've looked at real men in the mornings, as we've done our ladies' nights in the evenings, who needs this that you will tell? Like, what's something from this that you can latch on to, and who is somebody you want to take it to? Ladies first. Gwen. And that's our I will. And going back to Vicki's earlier comment, that's the teaching part. But now that you've been taught, who are you going to take it to? Who are you going to train? Children. And that's exactly what God calls you to here in this very passage, right? So if you want to share with somebody, Paul's already told you who to share with. Share with your children. Share with your husband. For any of our sisters that are here right now where your husband's not with you, for any of our sisters that have got either kids at home or kids a phone call away, you know, text them this passage and be like, we were reading some Bible study tonight and it just made me think of you. Call them and say, hey, we were talking about this and I was thinking about you the whole time. And just share in that way. Other ways we could share. What do we think? Who's somebody we want to tell? What do we want to tell them as we think about this part of God's work? Yeah. Yep. That'll be a, a great group to share with. And where you've got those connections, where you've got those relationships, those are great places to start doesn't have to be a stranger. It can be people we already talked to and just make sure you're ready to bring it up when you see them. I've got a young man that I work out with through the week. We are currently going through 1 Timothy, Titus, and 2 Timothy. So I'll be sharing this with him. I want that young man to hear what Paul's coaching this young man to do. At the same time that I'm trying to learn what Paul's teaching here and practice it myself. So we'll work on it together. I'll share this with him. Any other thoughts about sharing before we close tonight? Gwen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you see those openings, you take them and share whatever you have.